You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters Podcast, the show that discusses hearing technology, best practices, and a growing national epidemic, hearing loss. Before we kick this episode off, a special thank you to our partners. Weave, the all-in-one patient communication and engagement platform. Redux, faster, drier, smarter, verified. Fader plugs, the world's first custom adjustable earplug. Welcome back to another Hearing Matters podcast episode. I am your host, Blaze Delfino, and joining us today, we have Sherry Eberts. Sherry is a hearing loss advocate, a co-author, and just an all-around incredible human being. Sherry, welcome to the Hearing Matters podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be with you today. Sherry, we have a mutual friend. Her name is Gail Hannon, and (laughs) you are like two peas in a pod because both of you are excited about continuing to be advocates for hearing loss and the hearing uh, healthcare community, and you two are incredible writers. We'll get into that a little bit more into the, uh, the interview, but welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you. It's great. Sherry, you have experience with hearing technology and the hearing journey in and of itself. And when someone is told that they have hearing loss, this can be frightening news to process, to say the least. Tell us about your hearing loss journey. Yeah. So my journey began in my mid-20s. That's really when I first noticed my hearing loss. But I guess the real journey began when I was a child, watching my father struggle with his own hearing loss issues. He was very stigmatized by it. He would do almost anything to hide his hearing loss. He had his hair grown long, you know, well after that was fashionable. And I remember, you know, at family parties, he'd be sort of off sitting by himself and I'd be watching him. And and I asked him one time, you know, why are you sitting with your back to all of us at this party? And he said, if people want to talk to me, they know where to find me. And at that moment, I said, well, I guess maybe he's just shy or tired. But once I developed my own hearing loss, I understood 100% where he was coming from. He was probably just too exhausted and too tired to just have that energy to hear in that difficult environment. So I had a lot more understanding of his experiences as I developed my own hearing loss. So I was in business school when I first noticed it um, and uh, following in his footsteps, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I had learned that what you do when you have hearing loss is that you hide it and you don't tell anybody. Mm. So that's exactly what I did. And, you know, it made it very challenging for me, right? In work situations, socially. But once I had children, I realized that I was doing the same thing. I saw them watching me do the same unhealthy behaviors that I had watched my father do. And I knew something had to change. So I started to accept my hearing loss and started telling people about it. And I kind of did like a whole 360 in a way, right? Instead of hiding it, I've just tried to be out front and really set a better example for them and try to advocate to to make a better world for them if they should develop hearing loss themselves because it's a, a genetic hearing loss. Sherry, what really comes to mind when you share your history of first noticing that you present with hearing loss in your 20s, which again, 
Being in your 20s and suspecting that you have hearing loss, for lack of a better term, can be incredibly scary. But the word that comes to mind, the all-encompassing theme there, is vulnerability. And oftentimes, individuals see or might see vulnerability as a weakness, but my goodness, it is such a strength. And in your case, owning it, being vulnerable, this is who I am, it doesn't make me any less than anyone else, I think is such a powerful statement and positive and powerful belief that really continues to get you through the the daily grind of presenting with hearing loss and not letting it get the best of you. A hundred percent. And I appreciate you saying that. And that is one of the main messages that Gail and I in our book really try to get out, this whole idea of your mental attitude, right? And that you can shift your mind from viewing, you know, your negative, your hearing loss very negatively. And of course, it's going to be challenging. Of course, there's going to be moments where you're angry and frustrated. But if you can shift your perspective to trying to communicate better instead of hearing better, it sets you up for success, right? It sets you up for something that is under your control, something that you can learn to do well. And I think it just helps you be more vulnerable because you know that there are steps you can take to uh, offset some of those challenges. Absolutely. And I love the word there, communication, because individuals who present with normal hearing sensitivity still have struggle hearing sometimes. And, yeah. and I love that paradigm shift. It reminds me a lot of a, a gentleman, that uh, Bob Proctor, uh, who talks a lot about changing your paradigm. And I love the stance and the position because you and Gail live this and have lived this. And it's such a paradigm shift of changing that perspective from hearing to communicating, communicating being the exchange of ideas. When you were first fit with hearing technology, like what has been your biggest triumph and or struggle in the hearing healthcare industry and being a hearing aid user, I should say? Yeah, well, I mean, hearing aids are terrific, right? We we know that, but they don't solve all your problems. Mm. And I think one of the struggles is that I didn't know that. And I think we really need to do a better job explaining to people what hearing aids do and what hearing aids don't do. Because Mm -hmm. I I love my hearing aids, right? And I also hate my hearing aids, right? Because they do so much for me, but sometimes they're not enough. And so that's another part of the message in the book that we had to learn the hard way. Mm that we need to have other skills to supplement the hearing aids. And that's something I struggled with for a long time because I would put my hearing aids in, um, you know, at the beginning and I would go into different work meetings or dinner at a restaurant. And sometimes it made things worse. You know, I think because a, I was not wearing them all the time, which is a big no, no, (laughs) because I was still overcoming that stigma. Right. So I kind of stuck them in and I've learned that's not that's not the way to do it. But then I didn't know, like I just had expectations that I would just put them in and all my problems were solved. And that's not the case, right? It's, the, it's a primary tool, but we need to do other things as well. And once I realized that, it got a lot easier. When I was practicing full-time at the private practice, whenever we would fit patients, And this was really actually in the first appointment. I would always tell them that hearing aids are not the be-all end-all. They are going to assist you 
in hearing life's story, number one. And that's that's really the, the theme here is communication, right? And I am totally behind you and Gail on this in that hearing healthcare providers need to continue to set realistic expectations with patients. You know, yes, the hearing aids, it's incredible technology, but let's talk about sitting in a room with better lighting or including an accessory or remote microphone with those hearing instruments to ensure that, you know, everyone can hear better and understand speech clearer. It also reminds me too, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a colleague reach out. Her grandmother was in the hospital. She said, you know, she's really struggling to hear me and she wears Rick hearing instruments. I said, listen, if her head is on the pillow, pull those hearing aids over the, so it's those little tricks, you know, pull it over the ears. And I think that educating the patients on different ways to communicate, and that's what you and Gail do in Here and Beyond, Living Skillfully with Hearing Loss, you do such a good job of that. And more patients need to be educated. So we really appreciate the work that you and Gail continue to do. Well, I appreciate that. And then one of the things we really love to do is to partner with audiologists and partner with the people who are sort of on the front lines every day, right? Working with people with hearing loss. We even really like to speak with students, you know, Mm. audiology students as they're developing their own practice and they're developing sort of that empathy and that understanding, right? Because the more that practitioners can really put themselves in our shoes, the more creative you can be, right? The more you can say, oh, you know what? I went to the movies and I actually tried out one of those caption readers. And you know what? It was really cool. And this is how you do it. And those types of things coming from a person of expertise, right? An audiologist means so much to people with hearing loss because Mm -hmm. it's just a stamp of expertise and approval. And it really makes it seem like, oh, this is something that, you know, is real and something that I can be using in my life. Being a product of the product, and it's not just the hearing aids, but also the accessibility factor in there. Sherry, when I was doing research on you, my goodness, what a successful career and not letting your hearing loss define you. Impressive academic background. What was your post high school educational journey like with hearing loss? Because like we said earlier, you're in your 20s, you're still creating yourself. What was that experience like, Sherry? Yeah, well, it's very interesting because when I was in college, I didn't notice it. Right. So in college, I had what I consider a very normal experience. And then I worked for a couple of years, went back to business school, and that's where I first noticed it. So at business school, it was at Harvard Business School, and it's a big case environment. So you're in these huge classrooms with all wood and, you know, but no soft surfaces. And we would be discussing the cases. And people would make a comment across the way and and I wouldn't hear them. And I would say to my seatmate, well, what did that person say? And then, you know, he would say what it was. And then you're kind of behind the eight ball. And sometimes people would make a joke or say something as an aside and everyone would start laughing. And I just knew what it was because I had that experience with my father and it was terrifying, right? It was just terrifying because of what it had done to him I was so afraid that this was going to be sort of the the pattern of my life. Um, And for a while, I did hide it and I did follow in his footsteps. But the thing that was most disappointing to me really was when I went, when I was in business school, I went to an audiologist and I said, I'm having trouble 
hearing in class and, you know, what can I do? And they tested my hearing and it was a mild hearing loss, but it was deemed, you know, sort of too little to treat. And they basically said, there's really nothing to do about it. Just come back when it's worse. And to me, that's one of the things I really, um, it gets me going because I really love to talk to audiology communities about person-centered care, right? And there's always something that you can do. Maybe the hearing devices, it was not appropriate for, uh, you know, big hearing aids at, at that time. But there are things I could have done. I could have asked for a different seat in the classroom. I could have used some other type of technology or behavioral strategy. And so to me, that was sort of a, a very formative event because, you know, it sent me down the wrong path. But now I can see that and I hope to share that story so that others don't get sent down that same path, right? There's always something that you can do, even if it's not time for, uh, you know, a super powered hearing aid. Let's take a quick break. Running a private practice is challenging and it's especially difficult if you're using a management software system that's out of date or doesn't really fit your needs. As a former private practice owner, I personally found Cycle to be such an incredible tool that is easy to use and is really in the best interest of my patients. Cycle provides you with industry-specific workflows and features for a smooth-running front office, and if you've been listening to the Hearing Matters podcast, you will know that I believe that the front office staff is really the most important position in a hearing care clinic. Learn more at cycle.com. That's S-Y-C-L-E.com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Sherry, I was taking notes there and I love that person-centered care, patient-centered care and offices and clinics today really need to implement the patient-centered care model. And it really is leading with empathy because you leaving that appointment, you were looking for an answer. You were leaning into the professional for help. And to leave with very little to not much help, my goodness, that can, number one, put a bad taste in your mouth. We know that patients wait an average of seven to 10 years to actually visit a clinic. And that's why when patients come to the office, it's like, They've waited. Now is the time. Now is the time to really help them. So I love the fact that you're working with students as well to share that story and to implement the patient-centric care. That is so, so important. Absolutely. And Sherry, congrats on going to Harvard. That is so cool. What was your... What inspired you to get into business? Well, that's a great question. I actually had gone to college and I was going, I was studying medicine. I was going to be a doctor. And I made a sort of a switch very late in my, um, like my senior year. I think I had gone and volunteered in a hospital and realized, oh, (laughs) maybe this is not for me. It's probably something I should have done a little bit earlier. But I really liked finance and I liked business because it was all about solving problems. And I felt like that was sort of what medicine was too, right? It was solving problems. And this was solving different types of problems, just in a, a different type of, um, of a setting. So I actually worked um, after college, I worked on Wall Street for a number of years, and I was a management consultant for a number of years. So I had sort of a 20-year career uh, doing other things before becoming an advocate and really focusing on that. And what better field to be in now 
than hearing healthcare because when you have a passion for solving problems, well, no hearing loss is the same. You can have the same hearing loss on an audiogram, but patient A can have different communication struggles as compared to patient B. And what some strategies might work for patient A may not work for patient B. So thank you for the work you're doing. And it's so incredible. It's all about solving problems and having a solution to each one of those problems. Sherry, you're an amazing advocate for the deaf and hard of hearing community. And you also serve on the HLAA Board of Directors. What does this organization do for this community? What's the mission of the group? And what do we have planned for 2023? Yeah, well, that's a great question. HLAA is a fabulous organization. They do so much for people with hearing loss in lots of different ways. Um, One of the main things they do is they advocate for our needs in Washington. So they were very instrumental in the passing the -the over-the-counter hearing aid act, really were um, wonderful advocates and advisors to the FDA as they were going through that sort of rulemaking process. So they're the largest consumer voice for people with hearing loss, and they do a lot of work there. And then the other thing that they do is they provide a lot of education and peer support. And to me, that was so life-changing because I didn't know anyone else with hearing loss, right? I'm 26 years old. I'm here in business school. My father's not going to talk to me about it. I didn't really have anyone that I could share my frustrations with, my struggles, learn from. And HLA creates that through a network of national chapters and also national conventions annually. So once I met other people with hearing loss, really through HLAA, um, I just gained so much more confidence. I met so many people that I could learn from and enjoy. And I just felt so less alone, really, with my hearing loss. And it's such a powerful thing to know that you're not alone. Being with a group of number one like-minded individuals, but individuals who also believe what you believe in and live what you live is such a powerful force to raise awareness of hearing healthcare. And thank you and the rest of your board members for the work that you've done for the OTC final regulation, because there were a lot of wins in that. And of course, we really do believe in accessibility and affordability, but patient safety and satisfaction is absolutely number one. You being a hearing aid user, believe in that as well and and how yeah. paramount it is and how essential the role of the hearing healthcare professional plays. Sherry, you've received quite a few accolades, you know, for for the production of your documentary, We Hear You. Tell us about the making of this film and what it meant to you. We had such a great time making this film. So it was during the pandemic. And I mean, you know, I'm not a filmmaker. I guess I am now, but I never sort of thought of myself in that way. And what we, the way it started is that uh, Roxana Rotundo, Holly Cohen and I were hosting these virtual meetings for people with hearing loss. So it was at the start of the pandemic. No one really knew what to do, but that peer support was so much harder to get because we couldn't come together. So we created these Zoom meetings. We would get, you know, 700 people from around the world. I mean, it was amazing. Everyone had a story to to share. And 
it was a time when we were really feeling isolated and people with hearing loss were even more isolated and struggling with the masks to communicate. And so it was just a way to bring us together, provide support and learn from each other. And then out of that, we said, we have so many great stories. Look how important it is to tell those stories, to build this feeling of community and to help educate the mainstream about how they can help people with hearing loss. And so we decided to take some of those stories and put it into a documentary. And that's how it was born. I love film. I love videography. I think that being able to share a story in a video form, Sherry, is so important because you can really feel and see the human emotion and it creates greater human connection. But also the accessibility factor of, you know, the the inclusion revolution of including the hearing impaired with a video format and letting them know, like you said, they're not alone. Absolutely. And so we've been trying to get it out, you know, far and wide, right? We've had um, some presentations at HLA conventions, and I've actually been doing a lot of speaking at different conferences and showing clips from the film or even the full film to, um, again, sort of help to have audiologists hear directly from the patients and also some aging conferences for providers of services for people who are uh, seniors, and they may not know anything about hearing loss. So this is really a great educational tool in addition to a great community building tool. We really are trying to do both pieces of it with it. Well, let me tell you, you and Gail are just doing amazing things in the hearing healthcare industry, and your ability to create a community and let your members know that they're not alone, that they have fellow community members to lean into is so important because hearing loss, you feel disconnected and we don't want patients to feel lonely. We want them to feel a part of that community that, you know what, I can connect you with so-and-so in your area, give them a phone call or schedule a Zoom because they'll walk you through some of the feelings they felt. The past couple of years for you, Sherry, have been incredibly busy. And on my desk here, I did purchase a copy of Here and Beyond, Live Skillfully with Hearing Loss. What I like most- I'll hold mine up since yours was blurry. Yes, thank you. So <laughs> that is the book. It is available on Amazon. I ordered mine right after I was done talking with Gail and it came the next day. I love reading and I love actually holding a book versus like a Kindle. Nothing against Kindle, but I like the physical copy. When you, myself and uh, and Gail get together, I'd like you to both sign it. But what I really like about this book is the voice that you wrote it in. Um, obviously, having heard previous podcast episodes of you and, and Gail, when I was reading this, it's like I can hear both of your voices through this That's book. Cool. But this is really, you know, it says the ultimate survival guide to living well with hearing loss. And it really is. And for any of the, for anyone tuned in right now who suspects that they do present with hearing loss, and maybe you're not ready to take that first step towards calling your local hearing healthcare provider, get your hands on a copy of this book. It's here and beyond. Live Skillfully with Hearing Loss by Sherry Eberts and Gail Hannon. The link to purchase will be in our show notes. This is a great starting point. And being a hearing healthcare professional myself, everything in this book 
that Gail and Sherry talk about, I would talk about with my patients really throughout their onboarding process. So what this also does is it cuts your learning curve probably by 75%. Sherry, I don't want to take away the book because you and Gail wrote this, but uh, we recently had Gail, uh, Gail Hannon on the Hearing Matters podcast. We had such a fun time interviewing her. Both of you have such an awesome sense of humor. And uh, again, she talked about the book you authored together, Here and Beyond, Live Skillfully with Hearing Loss. What did the writing of this book mean to you? Well, I have always wanted to write a book. Um, even when I was in business, I was I was thinking of different books to write. So when Gail reached out to me during the pandemic and said, you know, do you want to work on a book together? I was just thrilled, right? Because it's like on the bucket list. So <laughs> that was wonderful. And then getting a chance to work with Gail was tremendous. We didn't know each other that well. I mean, we knew each other because we respected each other's advocacy work and we were sort of in a group of friends. But this book really brought us together in such a strong, strong way because we have such a similar philosophy, right? And now sort of our shared philosophy based on very different life experiences, different degrees of hearing loss. You know, she's developed hearing loss as a child. I had it as an adult. I mean, and that's what to us was so powerful is that whatever your experience is, you can use these skills to live better because we had very different experiences. And so once we discovered that in sort of the talking and the organizing and the outlining, we really felt like we had something that was so powerful and we're so excited to get it out to people. And thank you for saying, you know, to people who maybe aren't, you know, that far in their journey, right? They don't have hearing aids or maybe they're still dealing with stigma. I think this is the perfect first step, right? Because you can see a lot of sort of the mental aspects that we talk about and the ways that you can be successful. So we really try to put ourselves into the book too, because we're sort of like friends helping other friends down that path. And it's shortening that learning curve. And and here's the thing. When I say shortening the learning curve, everyone is going to acclimate to hearing technology different than others. So your brain might acclimate quicker than someone else's brain. And it's not a competition. As, as long as you've acclimated, that's a success. But, and I wrote down here just in my notes, is that really reading this book is a non-threatening first step because there is that that anxiety tied to, I mean, I'll be transparent and vulnerable with you here is I don't like going to the doctor. I don't like scheduling uh, appointments, even if it's like a physical, like, oh my gosh, what are they going to find? It's scary. Let's just air that out right now. Medical is scary. And obviously finding a provider who does implement patient-centric care. But by reading this book and preparing yourself, going into that appointment might also take away some of the anxiety. Sherry, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, we certainly hope so. I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, how do you find the right provider, right? Because not all providers are practicing person-centered care. So it's really important to find the person who is doing the right things and who you connect with personally, because it is a vulnerable experience. Nobody wants to go and take a test. They know they're going to fail, right? Every time I go to the audiologist, I go in and I know <laughs> I'm going to, you know, 
fail the hearing test, right? It's really not failing. It's a diagnostic tool. It's really just sort of saying where you are. But it, it still has that feeling of, you know, something that you know um, is, is a weakness. So I do hope that it is non-threatening. And I do hope that it is a, an easy way for people to find themselves down that path of taking care of their hearing loss because we need to do something about it. We can't be like my father sitting off by himself at a table missing out on life. That's not what any of us wants. And so we need to acknowledge, accept, and figure out the skills that we need and the technology we need to live well with hearing loss. Sherry, in Here and Beyond, when we talk about finding a provider that you vibe with, let's use that for lack of a better term, that you can build great rapport with, that you trust. What goes into that? Yeah. I mean, and it's a little bit different for each person, right? You know, maybe somebody likes a lot of analytics, a lot of facts, right? I'm sort of a a very analytical thinker. So I want to see my audiogram. I want someone to explain it to me. Other people may not be interested in that at all. They may really want to understand more of the emotional aspects and how is this going to impact my life emotionally and with communication and what are the things that I can do on that front. So a little bit of the vibe, right, is very personal, but you do have to make sure that you're finding um, a quality provider who is going to give you the information that you need and who's going to listen to the expertise that you bring to the table, right? We are the experts in our challenges and our hearing journey. And the audiologists are the experts in the technology, hearing science, audio rehab, so many things. But when you bring those two together, that's the power. And you need to find the person who's going to give you the respect you need and provide the information you need in a way that you can process it best. To echo that, Sherry, I think it's it's important for our providers tuned in right now. And the providers that have been in hearing healthcare for many years will, will get this and that no patient is the same. So yeah. if you have a process and you're just selling a hearing aid, those days are really over. We need to help connect and reconnect patients to their friends, to their family, to their loved ones. If a patient presents with central auditory processing, what does that process look like? Who can we connect them with? Because staying in your own one-track mind of, I do the hearing test, I tell them what the hearing results are, they need hearing aids, and that's that. How about implementing motivational interviewing? You're a hearing aid user and you're an advocate. How important is motivational interviewing maybe at that first appointment? Oh, I think it's everything, right? Because it's really drawing out the person's emotions, the person's challenges. I mean, the more that we can provide in terms of information, I always say, it's not time to be, you know, Mr. Tough Guy, right? It's not time to say, well, I do fine. And, you know, this was upsetting, but it was fine. No, this is the time to lay it out on the table. And asking open-ended questions is a much better way of drawing out the person and really building that trust and having them share that story. Now, it sounds like this would take a really long time, right? So sometimes this is the pushback that I get, you know, when I do presentations, it's like, well, we don't have time to do all of that in the appointment. But it's very easy to send out some of those questions in advance so that people can think about it and say, you know what, these are the things that I want to make sure I can 
convey in that appointment. And it just makes it a, a very efficient process. And we, you know, you get the information you need. We feel like we're able to share our story and it's an efficient way to do it. So it doesn't take up an unnecessary, you know, amount of time. When new patients, Sherry, would come to our office and, and still do come to our office, it's really the question that I love the most as a hearing healthcare provider is what would you like to accomplish during today's appointment? How many doctors have you gone to or have I gone to? Who asks that question? And it's not to like, well, I'm the only provider that you'll ever know that asks this question. No, it's a very important question. Obviously, we know they're here for hearing loss and and maybe they want hearing aids, but what do they want to accomplish? Because as a provider, you're there to serve them. You're really not running the appointment. They are. Right. No, I love that attitude, but that's also scary for the, you know, for the provider, right? You have to be vulnerable in that type of situation to do also, because you don't know what someone is going to be throwing at you. So I really respect that when audiologists make themselves vulnerable in terms of taking that risk and letting uh, the person with hearing loss really drive the discussion. I love that. Absolutely. And because at the end of the day, the patient has been living with the hearing loss. And I always say, you know, treat everyone with respect because you don't know what they're going through and what it took that patient maybe to pick up that phone and muster up the confidence to schedule that appointment. You talk a lot about that in Here and Beyond. And I love throughout the book, for example, Uh, You have dealing with hearing loss is like trying to catch a fish with your bare hands. Just when you think you've got it off, it wriggles in a different direction. And you have these these quotes throughout the book. And it's sort of a reminder of you got this. You're okay. What inspired you and Gail to put those quotes throughout the book? Just curious. Yeah, well, we really thought they were sort of the main, main concepts that we wanted to drive home. And so we thought it would be an easy way to sort of pull them out and really have them, you know, sort of hit you in the face with the big, bold print and the big lettering. Um, But, you know, I think also it's a reminder because as you're reading the book, there's a lot of information in there and there's a lot of sort of philosophical things. And we're big believers in sort of practicing and hearing things more than once. And so it's a way to to sort of have that message go throughout the entire reading experience. And it's also easy to go back and find those, right? If you feel like you've read it and maybe you didn't remember something or you need a little boost of confidence, you know, you can go back and find it really easily. I love it. I cannot wait to get my book signed. You know, we're, we're so excited. Sherry, before we connected on this episode, You spoke briefly about the book club guide. Tell us more about this and where can our listeners learn more about this? So we really want to make this book uh, a community building type of thing. So this is something that you could read at your book club of hearing loss friends or maybe not hearing loss friends to really use it as an entree to talk to them about your hearing loss. Let them learn a little bit more about it. And share some of the struggles that they have. Everybody has something that they're dealing with. And this is really a great pivot point for people to come and share their stories. So we put together a guide of questions uh, to make it really super easy to use it in a book club of that type. And you can find that just right on our website, hereandbeyond.com. I love the book club guide feature because it creates greater depth of 
conversation instead of just, you know, it's really that that open-ended question and to then mm-hmm. create that community and what you and Gail have been doing and are doing with this tool here, uh, this has got to be one of the, if not the best books for patients who live with hearing loss. And I'm not just saying that. I've, I've read it. I really enjoyed it. And you and Gail are just amazing. If our listeners tuned in right now are interested in purchasing the book, where can they buy it, Sherry? Really anywhere that books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, it's also in libraries. And if you go to the website hereandbeyond.com, there are links out to lots of different retailers. And it's available as a, you know, a physical book. It's available as an ebook, and it's going to be coming out as an audiobook um, later this year. So we're excited about that too. Well, I'm excited to use one of my credits on Audible to uh, purchase that audiobook. Sherry, in closing, what would your biggest advice be? For someone who is on the fence to schedule their first appointment at a hearing healthcare provider, what would you tell them? I would tell them they are not alone. So many people have gone through this process and almost everyone says, I wish I hadn't waited as long as I did do something about my hearing loss. Once you take that first step, you can reconnect to all the people and the places and the things and adventures in your life that you love. So take that first step and you're not alone in doing it. You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters podcast. Today, we had Sherry Eberts. She is a hearing health advocate, an internationally recognized author and speaker on hearing loss issues. Until next time, hear life story. Thanks again for tuning in to the Hearing Matters podcast today. I'm your host, Blaze Delfino, and on behalf of our entire team, thank you so much for the support. Truly, it means so much to us. Head on over to the Apple Podcast app and share your thoughts. What did you like most about this episode, and what do you like most about our podcast? Five-star reviews are always appreciated. And also, head on over to Instagram, hit that follow button, and let's connect. And as a team we can continue to help our community hear life story.